Ken. All right, Ken. The whole world was rocked this week. Everyone knows about it. Game canceled. Damar Hamlin is a household name. I think for everybody listening, just level set the playing field here. As of what you've seen, what happened, very basically, what we think happened, what we don't know, and I think it's probably a good idea to talk about the things that we've come out today saying the positives of with DeMar and why that is so significant. Three basic things, level set, what happened, and why we think it's a good thing that happened so far, medically. Okay. Um, well, before any of that, I just got to say huge shout out to the, the first responders, the, the sideline uh, uh, medical team, because without him, without them, no doubt he would not be alive today. And, uh, you know, it, it's all about early response. So uh, how quickly you get to CPR, how quickly, you know, you get oxygen, even though he, you know, he's not doing it on his own. All of the, all of that, I mean, minutes down to seconds are important. So uh, a little bit of misinformation out there. And uh, I've heard it like people are like, oh, he didn't have oxygen for nine minutes. That's inaccurate. His heart was not beating. But when you do CPR, that is the purpose of CPR. By the way, CPR is a last second, or it's, it's a last stand, essentially. You're doing CPR because the heart is not pumping. By definition, if you, know, if you just walk away when someone's doing CPR, they're dead, okay? You see it it's super dramatic on TV all the time. That's not how hospitals work. That is last second. That's not, you know, when you're doing that, you're, you're I mean, you're out of options. So um, the fact that they did it early, they did it well, uh, all of that extremely, extremely important. If this was a normal person walking down the street, man, you know, absolute bad, you know, bad news bears. They do. You don't get to uh, start CPR on him on time. That's when you get really poor outcomes. So um, kind of I'm sure everyone here has heard uh, the term commotio cordis. Uh, now, I'll tell you, that is something in med school that you go over for 30 seconds at the end of a, a cardiac trauma lecture. It's, you know, interesting, uh, but extremely rare. Since the 1970s, there's only slightly over 200 documented cases of it. Now, typically happens with, you know, high intensity uh, trauma directly to the chest. Uh, you typically see it in baseball. Uh, is, is where you see it. Um, and what it is, is you get a direct trauma to the chest at the exact moment that one part in uh, an EKG pattern starts. So it, you have twi a 20 millisecond window, extremely small to get a very specific hit right to the chest. There's a reason why we've been watching football for years and we are just now talking about this. It is extremely rare. When you guys uh, were texting uh, during the game about it, and I'm talking to you about injuries, I, you know, I wasn't watching at the time. I was on baby duty. And I will tell you that immediately I go, oh, man, this is a head injury. This is horrible. This is, you know, worst case scenario, brain, uh, brainstem, brainstem trauma, you know, horrible outcomes. I was, and I'm starting to think to myself, hey, football's been fun, fun while it lasted. Who knows what, you know, if we watch somebody die from a head trauma, We've talked about a lot. Uh, we've talked a lot about the positives. Everybody keeps talking about the positives. 
gripping hands, 50% uh, ventilator, 50% him for breathing. Uh, total response immediately comes in and says, writes on a piece of paper, who won the game? Let's talk about the cognitive piece that's supposedly still intact. You're very clear, and we've talked about it internally between us. He's not out of the woods. Definitely not out of the woods. I think people are like, oh, he's going to be fine. A, what are the chances he still could relapse? As we go away, it gets better. Talk about that. And B, do we think that, really, can he be normal again? And what's the time frame? Okay. So, great questions. Uh, start with... Uh, can he relapse? And I, I, I said it so many times in our text. I'm like, hey, there's a 24 to 48 hour window that is crucial. So when your heart uh, beat goes out of rhythm for whatever reason, you know, you are likely to have that happen again. Once it goes out of rhythm, it can uh, respond exactly the same way. But uh, it's the most likely to happen in the first 48 hours. We're out of that window. So that's reassuring, you know, in and of itself. It can still always happen. So uh, sorry if there's not much clarity there, but that's because it's, uh, you know, an uncommon thing to happen. Uh, now, uh, one little bit of misconception that you hear right now is the neurologically intact. Now, uh, when you say neurologically intact, that means uh, in, initially uh, you check, they call them cranial nerves. It's the nerves that actually go into the brain. There's uh, 12 of them. You, you check two through 12. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, and then uh, with that being said, uh, he had, um, with those being intact, that's great. Now you talk about, you know, cognitive, everyone's like, okay, when's he, you know, when's he's get, getting up, when he's back to normal, man, this is just the start. He had, he had a, they call it uh, anoxic brain injury, an injury to the brain because of lack of oxygen. It's, it wasn't totally depleted of oxygen, but it was significantly decreased. So uh, it's going to take, you know, a while to get back up to, you know, regular function. The fact that he could, on a piece of paper, write who won the game is actually very impressive at this point. Um, with that being said, it's going to take a while to see, you know, what sorts of, you know, detriments uh, there are. You know, I, I have a guy, I, I saw a guy today who had a brain injury uh, and he he's back up to essentially full function, but he has what they call word finding. And he is just, you know, you get random words coming out that just don't quite make sense. It, 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 you know, speech doesn't sound fluid. Happened 10 years ago, it's, it's still how it is, you know, and you see different, uh, you know, neurologic signs like that still. Is he neurologically intact? Yes. Is, you know, cognitive ability 100% there? Not quite. So, uh, what I can tell you is that most of the time in these situations, it's usually if you, what you get back in the first six months is typically where you kind of get to that, that kind of becomes your baseline. So, uh, early intervention, once again, uh, you're going to hear it a lot, but early intervention is key. Uh, the rehabilitation, there's, you know, speech therapy, occupational therapy, you know, depending on what areas of the brain are injured, how, uh, you know, you have to re essentially retrain yourself on just a different muscle coordination that, you know, is nothing to you, you know, just going to you know, throwing a football, uh, 
you know, that, let alone writing with a pencil. So the fact that you could already write is really, you know, reassuring. Um, what's delaying him now? So uh, it, the, the big question I threw it out to you guys a lot was, okay, he's still on this ventilator. Is that because his brain's not being able to tell him what to do? Or is this more from the lungs? Lungs heal quicker than the brain. So uh, I, I was saying worst case scenario, you know, brain injury, you know, much better prognostic indicator, lung injury. So um, the fact that it is a primary, primary, primarily a lung injury is reassuring because, uh, you know, now, of course, don't know his medical history, assuming he didn't have any baseline pulmonary uh, issues and being a professional football player, that's likely. Um, it's very, uh, uh, very, uh, I don't know, uh, I would say very good, you know, very good chances that uh, he's going to make a much more uh, fuller recovery. So uh, the fact that FiO2 that everyone was talking about going from 100 to 50 uh, percent means a whole lot more if the, if the injury is from the lungs and not uh, from the brain, which is looking like uh, that's where he's at. So, um, you know. Yes, you'll still see it still in critical care. That means he's, you know, in the you know, intensive care unit, the critical care unit. But um, because he's still, you know, can't breathe without a, the ventilator, uh, assuming I haven't, I haven't seen any reports uh, off of that yet. But um, I mean, progressive improvement. Step one, getting out of the ICU. Step two, get, you know, getting out of the hospital, getting into rehab, you know, and then kind of going from there. You're, and in terms of, you know, back to full function uh, for him. I mean, you're, you're looking months to months, you know. Uh, it's a little, you know, a little different, you know, you hear, you hear comparisons to Ryan Chazier, uh, you know, that spinal cord injury, very different nerves, you know, they tend to heal to him uh, a, uh, a bit and then uh, sustain there. So um, versus uh, at this point, primarily lung, from uh, this commotio cordis, now it's all speculative, commotio cordis, you know, isn't a confirmed diagnosis. It's just going based off of what I saw, what uh, others around me have seen. Um, but uh, you very often can see lung injury from cardiac uh, uh, trauma, essentially. So, all right. So then two things. <clears throat> I think it's interesting that people want to compare it to commotio cordis or think it's commotio cordis because if you Google like any of the uh, commotio cordises that like the things that we have seen on television, like there was one of a pro hall, a hall of fame hockey player who actually took, you know, a hundred mile an hour slap shot off the chest, did very similar, stood up, kept skating, fell on his face. Damar stood up, seemed like he was all there, fell backwards. So the question is, that guy came back six to eight months and then had a pro football, pro hockey, excuse me, career. Chances of Damar, don't, put a, don't have to put a number on it. You can just say high, low, undetermined yet of him actually playing football again. At this point, I would say extremely low. Now, um, 
the uh, uh, commotion cordis uh, generally has a 58% survival rate uh, after the first 48 hours. So um, like, like I said, you know, once again, 200, only 200 documented cases since 1970. So you're talking about a small sample size over a long period of medicine. Medicine's very different from back then. But um, with that being said, uh, you know, the things that would prevent him, you know, uh, you have to see where he's at in six months, you know, that you have to see uh, what sorts of uh, like neurologic uh, or brain, you know, injuries sustained, uh, you know, where he gets to with that baseline. There, there is a chance that it gets back to, you know, full, uh, full function. But um, also, uh, he now has a much higher chance of a uh, arrhythmia as well. So, uh, once you, you know, once your heart beats out of rhythm, it's more likely to, to go to there again. So, I mean, he would have to face extensive, extensive cardiac testing, likely a heart ablation where they look and they try to get rid of any, you know, uh, errant patterns in the electrical wiring of the heart uh, versus, uh, you know, stress tests, uh, you know, lots of echocardiograms, uh, cardiac MRIs. I mean, <laughs> You have to make sure that structurally he's intact. I will tell you, I I would put it at an extremely, extremely small chance. And then it's the whole psychological part of he was on the a football field and his heart stopped. Do you want to get back out there? And sure. yeah, I'm never gonna would never blame anyone for not doing that. So sure. uh, and Connor, as you know, as soon as someone starts playing timid. They're done. So I, yeah. it, it's hard to say. Um, I, I'm not going to put anything against him. I mean, yes, he's made some substantial improvements. He's, you know, showing that, he, you know, he, he's a superior, uh, you know, physical condition than, all, you know, just about anyone else uh, who's had an injury like this. But at the same time, so I'm not going to put anything, you know, against him. Realistically, I, I would put the chances very, very minimal. That he comes back. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that 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 makes sense. Last question. All right. So, so uh, just to be clear, you know, uh, I actually got that question yesterday in my office. And I was, I went, um, we're hoping that he still lives. You know what I mean? So, putting it in perspective, uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from him. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, last question. This is kind of tying into another hot topic. To a brain injury versus potential Demar brain injury, different things. Tua literally was pulled out this week because he couldn't remember a certain place on Monday as he was talking with uh, Mike McDaniel. That's a brain injury. Demar basically dies for five to nine minutes. Dude comes back and says, who won the game? Memory's all there. Is this as simple as Tua took a, an impact to a certain memory portion of the brain? Or is that like a swelling impact? Meaning, how can Tua not remember this stuff, play the rest of a game, and which means he probably had brain swelling at some point. DeMar's probably got brain swelling, right? Like, how... Connect? Can you connect the dots at all between those mm -hmm. two? They're different, so, but the same. 
So a, con- a think- concussion by definition is, you know, uh, like a post-traumatic uh, event or, or brain injury where there is no evidence of physiologic change to the brain. So uh, by definition, I really cannot say, you know, I'd actually have to go against brain swelling there. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about two different injuries, you're talking traumatic versus you know, anoxic, which is uh, metabolic uh, injury. So uh, extremely, extremely different. So uh, hard to say. Um, and, and the levels of each, you know, differ greatly. So unfortunately, yeah, point uh, being, people are going to try and tie all brain injuries to the same and be like, well, two is back. Why can't, you know, why can't uh, DeMar play again? And you know, they're different things. So point being, you just, I just wanted you to be able to say they're different. All brain injuries are kind of unique in their own way. And don't, don't expect Tua may, Tua may never play again either. You know, we still don't know. Three concussions in a year is kind of a big deal. So it's, it's a tough one. And uh, the, the big difference is, uh, is uh, Hamlin's probably never, you know, especially in his playing career, never going to suffer an, another, you know, meta- anoxic lack of oxygen or metabolic brain injury, uh, you know, ever in, versus Tua can always get a concussion. Uh, and it, either he has to make better decisions with the ball or get quicker or else he's going to keep getting them. So um, very different situation. Uh, you know, there's, you know, one way I can put it in perspective is there is no CTE chronic traumatic encephalopathy. There's no uh, correlation between anoxic brain injury and CTE while concussion, it's huge. You know, that that's what you talk about all the time. So uh, if that puts you in perspective, you know, you're, we're talking way different tiers. Thank you so, so much. For, Connor, thank thanks for the interview. Down. I appreciate it. Yeah. The Connor and Ken show lives on. Let's do it. I don't even know why I'm here. It's yeah. forever. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So big things. Um, Damar Hamlin, everyone's talking about the foundation he started. Did you know he started that while in college actually? Yeah. And it, it was a toy. He, his goal was to raise $2,500 for like a toy distri- for toys for his community growing up. I looked up his community. It had 5,000 people in it and the median income was atrocious. Like, even in today's stand, like even by today's standards, like it, it's still bad. Uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Tamar Hamlin, something when we were in college, I never thought about like, hey, I'm going to help get toys for people in my community because everyone I grew up with kind of had toys. Didn't come from high level income, but uh, just it's kind of a special person. And you could see the way the bills reacted to him. Um, so I will put a link to his found, his donation center or the whatever the GoFundMe, I think is what it was. Um, if anyone wants to donate, um, yeah. Uh, so last thing before we move on, Ken's gone, but I was just going to bring up all the time. We, we, we speak about how players, we hope they play fantasy football owners, especially, you know, you always push them to play. And then you remember things like this, Calvin Johnson, Luke Keekley, Patrick Willis, three all pros, best of their positions, potentially like potentially at the time they retired, all retired young, um, I think 30 years or younger, uh, not even directly injury related, but just felt that continuing was not the right choice. And 
um, these kinds of moments remind you why you have to, respecting that decision is kind of the right thing to do rather than question. You didn't mention <laughs> or uh, Aaron. I, I, I forgot. Aaron, I forgot Andrew Luck. Aaron Donald is still playing, so we'll we'll see if he continues. But he tried to retire at twenty nine. Okay, all right. They talked did, him back in this year. And did they just, talk him back into it, or was he just was that was that contract negotiations? Who knows? But I, I'm at the point where it's I will not question NFL players. And the last thing I was going to ask Ken, uh, I think I know his opinion, but he's gone. I'll let him speak for himself when the time comes. Uh, would you let your kids play football? Because, again, this is – there was nothing illegal about this play. It was just hard-nosed football. T. Higgins is a big, fast, strong guy, and Tamar Hamlin just tried to get in his way. That's all it was. Yeah, and I, and I think it's kind of ironic, but we were talking about this. I think you need to put things in perspective, too. We talk about concussions. We talk about, uh, you know, the residual effects of those things. CTE, down the line – the obvious joke right now is that Antonio Brown has CTE after he got hit by Vontez Perfect. Fine. Those are all things that happen. I think if you're going to lump one thing together, you could lump the other ones together. We were talking about soccer players getting hurt, you know, uh, getting concussions, you know, having career-ending injuries. Same thing. Uh, baseball players, Tommy John surgery, uh, shoulders. Now, those are not <clears throat> those are not the same thing in terms of brain injury or like what it looks like. But NFL is bigger than all of those, uh, you know, especially in the United States. Um, I think if you're going to say I don't want them playing football, you have to be real careful on why and you understand why you're not, you, it's football. Is it because it's on TV and it's loud and, and it's crazy and you see people hit each other or is it really about the injury? Because you can make the argument to not go play baseball and definitely not pitch if you're really interested in that, but, uh, or if you're really, you know, scared of something like getting hit back and forth or from off of the bat, um, soccer, blown out knees, blown out ankles, blown out. I mean, your quality of life is different because you're not talking about brain injuries. I get that. At the end of the day, statistically, though, you're looking at very fluky things. This was a very fluky thing. That, that that's We don't know anything about the underlying condition of DeMar. Was he predisposed to this? You know, Ryan Clark had sickle cell, um, you know, five years ago and couldn't ever play any games in Denver, you know. Those are all things that we don't know anything about. Uh, I'm obviously biased. I played in college. Uh, to me, uh, it was more important to uh, – I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that at all. I wanted to have the memories of playing with a team. I grew up with a football coach, um, so I'm biased. So may, will it change potentially when I have kids? Maybe. Um, I just think that there is risk in everything. And if you're going to be afraid of the world, then I don't know if the world is for you. So there's there's a lot of risk. I think, you know, as bad as it sounds, do not drive a car because there's people that hit you. Absolutely. People want, we're talking about something that everyone does every day. And, um, I've only met one person in my entire life that is afraid of driving a car, and he takes the bus. Uh, 
same thing. He's just not driving. It's just a bigger, less, you know, chance of accident. So I think you just have to be really careful with looking at it and saying, football scary. Football is, you know, the worst of them. I think we're learning more about it, but we're also getting better. Equipment's getting better. We hate it with all the roughing passers and, you know, we don't know what targeting is and all the rule changes, but they're designed to protect players. I'd be willing to bet they wouldn't go through those changes and not see any um, statistically significant things that have happened over the last one, two, three, five years from what they did five years ago. So we're seeing these things now because football is so popular. It owns a day. It's more rampant. You can see everything on five different channels, Prime, NFL Network, CBS, NBC, Fox. So let's just, I would just challenge anybody who's thinking that. Don't disagree with you at all. I think you do, you, you can't crucify other people for making the decision to still let their kids play. That's that's the only thing that I would say. Yeah, I think when I was growing up, I mean, I only played till eighth grade and stopped in high school. Um, and I think it's, I think I'd just probably be more willing to listen to my kid about football than my dad was. And it wasn't that he like made me play football, um, but I, I enjoyed it. Wasn't like my favorite thing. Um, I, I really just wasn't enjoying tackling other people. Just wasn't for me. Um, I did it on basketball courts though. It was bad. I had a bad temper there. Um, but I think I would just be more accepting, maybe accepting is the bad, uh, bad word, but just more willing to be like, okay, if you don't want to, if, the, if, if you're hesitant to play to my kid, then you don't have to. But if it's something he, they absolutely love and adore, and obviously it started them in flag football at a younger age, instead of going with, uh, like, I probably wouldn't be the best athletes, he wouldn't be in Pop Warner anyway, but a young tackle football league. Um, but... I think I would just start him in flag, and if it's something you really enjoyed, absolutely allow him to pursue it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think in this case, it, I would just be more cautious about it, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't dissuade uh, my kid's spirits in, in that aspect, at least. Yeah, um, you got to – I played five sports growing up, and it was more or less mm-hmm. do whatever you like. Choose one, quite frankly. I should have wrestled in college. Uh, I was, you know, a national qualifier when I was like eight or nine years old. Uh, but I guess what? I wanted to play basketball in high school. For listeners, guess what? I'm not a basketball size player. I'm five foot three. <laughs> and I was 145, 150 pounds coming into college. Uh, had I stuck with wrestling and not played basketball in high school, I probably would have had a Division One scholarship. Everyone says all of those things, fine. But, you know, I have a my dad was a wrestling coach for 20 years, and I played football in college. So those two are kind of correlated. I feel like I would have had a good shot to go to Division One. Fine. But I didn't. So my parents weren't pushing me any one way. It's just be have a variety. I don't think you got to be pushed into one thing. Agreed. All right. With that all out of the way now, we can get back to what we typically come here for. And that is, I would say, expert picks. But last week, we were just disappointing. And I'm sorry, uh, listeners. Uh, <laughs> I, by, by we, I mean, I was I was the captain of the disappointing. 
Oh, and five. I can't believe I think this is the first week all year I've gotten everything wrong, which means I'm going to get it all right this year. So it balances out to 50 50. That's, nice. That's what I say every week, and it happens every time. <laughs> I went six and oh, and then the rest actually, since I went six and oh, I've been 500 or worse. I think it was three weeks in a row where I was 500, and then since then it's been let's see, three, and then whatever's left three or four weeks in a row, I've either been 500 or worse. It's like 500, 500, 500, worse. 500, worse, worse. So we're looking great right now. All right, so here we go. I'm going to start off with my first pick. It's Detroit plus four and a half. Plus four and a half. The only reason I'm starting here is because this game has been kind of marked with controversy because the Seahawks game takes place before it, and everyone is saying, well, if the Seahawks win, the Lions have nothing to play for. And, you know, it's unfair advantage to the Packers and whatnot. But – I think that is just complete hogwash. First of all, this is a Dan Campbell-led team. We always talk about how Dan Campbell is I, – I don't I, – I hate the term rah-rah guy, but I would say more like I, – I like the term manalytics versus analytics. <laughs> so he comes out, he gets, his, he gets the guys going, and they get hyped up, and they play hard every game. So in terms of, like, emotion and being in the game, I think they're going to come out it, just from their coach, let alone this is the Green Bay Packers. They kicked the, the Lions cans twice a year for, like, the last – since Aaron Rodgers has been there. The, the Lions got their first win against them this year, and now they have a chance to sweep them for the first time in who knows how long. So it is your rival. You can keep them out of the playoffs. You can beat Aaron Rodgers. You can prove that you're, like, a legit team. And, oh, also, you're all playing for your jobs because this team is now growing, and you want to prove, no, 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 I'm part of – the team that's going to be here next year that's going to make the playoffs. You don't want to get replaced because you had a bad showing in week 18 because you didn't have your heart in it. Like, this is – if this was a Cliff, a Cliff Kingsbury team, I think they might slack because I don't see him as kind of the inspirational coach. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's kind of in that same vein, but um, I you just can't do that to Dan Campbell. So I'm taking Detroit plus four and a half on Sunday night. I'm probably going to look and see if when the Seahawks game ends, if this number changes – because if everyone says that, Vegas will probably give Detroit an extra point or a point and a half, and you're looking at five and a half, six point spread now. So give me the Lions. I don't care. They're going to make this tough. They're going to play hard. And I'm just, we've been all in on the Lions this year. Why change? Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. Um, I, I, I actually would, if I was going to bet this game, it'd be the exact same pick. Only reason I'm not is because Green Bay is super hot right now. They've been. They've finally decided to do what they said they would do at the beginning of the year, started in game one, and then haven't done it until, like, I don't know, four weeks ago. Run the ball with a two-headed monster correctly, well, you know, and consistently. Aaron Jones is still good, um, and then you still have Aaron Rodgers, but some of it, speculatively, Aaron Rodgers dictates a lot of what you do. You just go with the good and you go with the bad, and it's good right now. So I don't know the playoff implications for them with the Seattle win, um, but I know the playoff implications for Detroit, and I know it's Dan Campbell, so I think they'll play hard. Uh, If this was five and a half, if this goes to five and a half or six, I'll probably bet it too easily Um, because I don't think they lose by more than a touchdown if they do lose. All right. So what is your – Smash play of the week, then. Man. <laughs> I, 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 I've been betting against Mac Jones 
the whole year. And now he's got to play Buffalo. And Mac Jones is going to be under a lot of pressure. Um, Buffalo still has things to fight for. They still have things to play for. So if you'll notice, we are generally, besides, of course, first, the first picks that Phil has, we're generally going to pick games that have people still wanting to fight and something to play for. Uh, other games, you know, we're going to avoid like the plague mostly because perfect example is nobody has Tampa Bay this week because we don't know how long Todd Bowles is going to keep uh, Tom Brady in. Says he will. He's kind of a Dan Campbell type, but he also has to be not stupid and know he's got a playoff game to prepare for with Tom. So stay away from that game. That's another piece of advice. But here, this is a Josh Allen team. I also think we just spent, you know, 30 minutes talking about the Mar Hamlin. I think this group is actually not going to be distracted. I think they are actually going to be a little bit rejuvenated. They probably had some light practices over the last day or two. Got some great news. They're probably going to have three on the mind. I think anytime you have that, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, I think this team is going to be lit up uh, on Sunday. And I think that they are going to blow out a Mac Jones-led team. Um and quite frankly, they they still have to play for something here. They got to win this game. They are in the driver's seat. They got to win, and they get the one. So you know, I think it's very important here. All right. So my next pick. I don't know why I do this to myself, but it, it's it's like I picked the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl, and now I can't let it go, even though I know they're terrible. They are 12-3 and three with a minus point differential, but I'm coming back for more, baby. Give me the Vikings minus 7.5 in Chicago. So, we talk about teams with stuff not to play for. Guess what? One of them is the Bears. They're the bottom of the barrel team. I don't think they can move up in the draft order. Yeah, I think they're pretty much set at 3. They're 3-13, three and 13, and no one, they, they won't move much. It might be a spot or two, but they're not getting a quarterback, which I... I guess... I don't know. We don't put it past the Bears. They're dumb, so... <laughs> That's a great point. Anyways, I don't see them doing much. They are starting Nathan Peterman, and everyone knows the Nathan Peterman game. You know, when the Bills started him over Tyrod Taylor, and he threw four interceptions and two touchdowns in the first quarter, but the two touchdowns were to the Chargers and not his team. So... I am just against the fact that offense is going to do anything. We've seen that offense be atrocious with Justin Fields, and they need miracles out of him to make stuff happen. I'm talking 50-yard runs, 60-yard runs, where it's I'm one-on-one with a DB or something, and I put a great move on him, and I'm gone. So their offense is going to be flat. I don't care that the Vikings' defense is bad, because that's how bad Nathan Peterman is. I ain't, The only thing that scares me is, is, is the Vikings' offense. For whatever reason, yeah. it, is, it is either flat, or it's burning. Like, it is just Justin Jefferson lighting people up. K.J. Osborne can, like, you know, has that deep start speed. Dalvin Cook apparently is turning into a boomer bust runner, which he, in my opinion, was not that for most of his career. We, he seemed more reliable for, like, a five-yard carry. But now it's 20 carries for 40 yards, and it'll bust out a 50-yarder. I don't think the Bears are good on defense at all. The Lions just lit them on fire and humiliated them. So I'm just going to stick with it. I think the Bears' season, they mail it in. They don't care. And the Vikings come out. They are still trying to play for, hopefully, home field advantage in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, I know 
they're competing with the 49ers for that spot, and the 49ers are 14-point favorites. But at least they play early in the in the day, so they don't see the outcome. I hate myself for doing it, but I'm sticking with Captain Kirk. They hold on, and they're just going to beat down the Bears. I'm sitting here thinking, yes, I'm in agreement, and I'm, there's a chance people who are listening, I end up picking this by the end of, by the time we get there, because I hate Nathan. By Sunday at 1 o'clock. <laughs> but this potentially is a principal non-bet here. I cannot bet on Kirk Cousins late in the season. I just can't. I just can't do it. The good news is it is the 1 o'clock window. It is it's the 1 not, o'clock it's not. It's not 4 o'clock or later. I'm like, I get it, but my goodness. Uh, just atrocious last week. You know, it'd be interesting to see a stat on how he rebounds from terrible games. I bet it's kind of, it's kind of probably up and down. I don't know. There's a chance I bet this, and then there's a chance I kick myself and kick Phil for convincing me. <laughs> for talking you into it? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know, man. It, it's a tough one. Um, but anyways, speaking of things that I've been on all year long, man, I'm, I'm going to go with – I'm actually going to go with Tennessee plus six here. All right, so Tennessee plus six, they're playing the Jags. I don't think they win this game. Let me be clear. I don't think they win this game. However, they have Derrick Henry. He's back. He's healthy. He got a week to rest. I think that was some fake injury that they had on the injury report. Josh Dobbs started. It took some stones for Vrabel to start. Um Josh Dobbs never started a game, never played more than like six passes or something like that in, in a game. Uh, he looked decent last week against the Cowboys. That game was ridiculously close for like three and a half quarters, and then all of a sudden the wheels kind of fell off. Dallas got some breaks in that game, and they stuck with them. So I think this week Josh Dobbs takes a step forward, meaning I don't think he wins the game, but I think he keeps it close again but stays close for four quarters. And I've said this from the beginning. I'm a Rabel sympathizer. Maybe it's because he's a Buckeye. I don't know. Uh, but when the chips are down, I think he's a great coach. And when the chips are down, he made the call last week to start Dobbs. He looked a heck of a lot better than Malik Willis had. And quite frankly, Dobbs played clean. If he plays clean again, I think they got a real shot to just hold the ball and let Derrick Henry crush the Jags. So, so what Derrick Henry it, does. Yeah. He, yeah. He had like 100 yards in the first half last game, but he got stopped for 20 in the second half. Uh, yeah. I have the under. I have the under in this game. Uh, kind of to what you said, at plus six. Um, that is going to hit more if the under hits. And the Jags, I don't know. I, I love Doug Peterson. He's done a phenomenal job coaching since, you know, they figured out how to get the best out of Trevor Lawrence and adjust his, you know, drop back and things like that. I just, I think Tennessee comes out and I think they play, they play hard. They play physical. They get the, they get the rah-rah or the manalytic side of it from Mike Vrabel and they make this a tough, gritty game. It is not going to be a Jacksonville throwing all over him. Evan Ingram getting 120 yards and two touchdowns again, kind of game. I, I also though think, Tennessee's got nothing on offense besides what's going to be a 75-yard or 60-yard touchdown from Derrick Henry that I know is going to happen. He's going to, stu- he's going to stiff arm four Jaguars, and he's going to be going off to the races. Besides that, I think it's going to be flat. I think it's going to be low scoring. I could see this, you know, being one of those, like, 
17-13 games, maybe something like that. Real low scoring, real physical, but at the end, like, you're going to watch the Titans in the second half, and you're just going to say, they had the ball six times, and they got 20 total yards in the second half because they got nothing going because they just don't have the passing attack to do it. So, Connor plus six. Yeah, I don't think the Jags repeat last week as their defense performance. They played Houston, and they got, like, a fumble recovery, six. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had, like, a couple of picks last week, no touchdowns thrown. Uh, That was kind of an off game for him. Travis Etienne had over 100 yards and a touchdown. And I don't think that happens either. So, kind of a fluky, weird game last week. I think the Titans are ready this week. All right. Uh, What's your next pick, then? Yeah, so, uh, listen, I, I, we just talked about Tua. I get it. Tua's definitely done for the year. Obviously, speculation, he may be done done for his career, three in a season, especially given all the stuff, that uh, the high visibility here that's happening. But, man, ha, I'm sad to say Mike White looked terrible last week. Uh, they don't have any – they don't have Zach Wilson. Um or they're not playing Zach Wilson. Joe Flacco may start for them. Mike White's hurt again. Uh, they have a fantastic defense. We talked about it. Uh, you know, Sauce kept uh, DK, you know, in check. One, I think it was like one catch, five yards, fucking crazy. And the Jets still lost. So that's all this is. Miami plus one. I know Skyler Thompson's probably starting. Teddy's probably not starting. He's got a week to prepare. Again, for the love of donuts, you have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. The best thing about Tyreek is they move him all around. I don't think Sauce is going to be able to travel with him full-time. There's just no way because they move him so much. Uh, Sauce, on the other hand, is just his, his, his prowess, what he is so good at, is getting hands-on. And Tyreek is... The best, one of the best, even if it's not technique, he's so fast, he's the best at getting hands off. So this is something that I think Stoss is going to miss one time. And then Skyler's going to load up and just throw it deep. And he's going to miss on the press. And if you watch, Stoss has a tendency, he plays off man, but he sits in cement and just tries to guess where you're going and then get his hands on you, bump. It's a classic bump and run, but it's like an off-man bump and run. And if he misses there, I think you saw against the Bills, if you remember, they played the Bills, and Stefan didn't have a great game, but he opened that game going right after Sauce. Josh Allen went right after him because he knew that all he has to do is make Sauce miss. He made him miss. He caught like a 40-yard ball. Um, Mike McDaniel will call that play over and over again. <laughs> Josh Allen is on your is the quarterback for the Bills, so they will just call plays that may not come back to that. Mike McDaniel will come back to that well over and over again. So that's all it is. They're getting a point here. So I'm in. That, that was the Chargers, I think, versus Dolphins. Chargers shut down the Dolphins all game, and they are playing <laughs> press man on Tyreek Hill. Get, make one mistake, 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all you need. And um, I just think that McDaniels, it's crazy that we're talking about McDaniels uh, coaching for his job right now. People are speculating on that. 
I'm 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 surprised save, that save to a career. Yeah. Give Tyreek Hill the best season he's ever had, and that was despite having Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And Jalen Waddle's best season. It's his second season, so. Uh, hey, he, Jalen Waddle has looked much better than the 10-catch, 82-yard guy he was last year. Uh, so I'm with you. That is that that's too spicy. Don't don't get crazy. rid of the guy who's proving that he is a good offensive. I don't want to say guru because you know as of right now he's a B plus offensive coach. Yeah, he's gotten figured out a little bit late in the season. It's hard I mean, to believe. It, it, it's in the Sean McVay syndrome. It, it's when someone stops you, can you adjust? And remember, he wasn't a play caller where he's been because Kyle Shanahan has always called the shots. So right. be patient with that guy. Uh, yeah. We're going to go to my next pick, Rams plus six. We talked a little bit about Seattle getting shut down by the Jets. I talked last week about how I was unimpressed with their offense. And lo and behold, I was right. Besides one 60-yard carry for Ken Walker, of course, it was like the second play of the game. Uh, and after that, the only way they produced offense was by forcing turnovers for Mike White. I know the Rams' offense isn't good, but I think Sean McVay will call a more conservative game than what Mike White was doing. Because Mike White, I think he, he had some uh, gunslinger in him, maybe a little too much. And I think Baker Mayfield is actually playing more protective of the ball than he typically would because he knows he's playing for his last job. Uh, well, potentially last job. Uh, so I think they come out. I think they, you know, have a solid offensive game plan. They try to lean on their defense to win. And from what I saw last week, I don't trust Seattle's offense. Once again, I think the Rams still have a good defense. Jalen Ramsey, DK Metcalf, that's, you know, a good matchup. Tyler Lockett is scary on whoever the Rams' second corner is, whoever's picking him up wherever he goes. Uh, but I just think the Rams can keep it close enough at plus six. I, you know I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan, but at this point I'm starting to see Geno Smith turn back into Geno Smith, and I, this might be a little I don't want them in the playoffs. So Dude, you, you haven't even mentioned Cam Akers, the return of the Cam. But the, the, I think was he the fan, the highest fantasy scoring scoring running back? I, he at least he at least was the first two weeks of the playoffs. I don't know what he did in week three, but. Yeah, he, he was one of the best. Uh, so, yes, they actually have a running game somehow, some way. I don't know. With a terrible offensive line. I don't know. It's weird. Fan Dude, betting in fantasy has been weird this year. Let's be real. It's been we, were, we, we were good until, like, the last four weeks. I, like, every time we watch, it is, this game looks like it should hit. Everything we said about the Jets game was correct, except apparently Mike White went from the uh, an all-pro connection to uh, Garrett Wilson to not being able to hit the broadside of a barn or throwing picks. Just amazing. It is what it is. That, that That's the risk you take with gambling. Uh, anyways, so now uh, our last two picks, Connor and I are going to agree or get in a, and get in a fight. So, Connor, I'll let you pick which one we go to first. All right. So, I, I don't know. I understand why you're taking the under in the Baltimore-Cincinnati game. I get it. I don't think Tyler Hunt was good either. Uh, they did show some life, though, last week with uh, potentially getting Mark Andrews back involved with Tyler Huntley. Uh, I think Dobbins has 90-plus yards in every game that he's been back healthy. Um, I think they score some points here, but I think Cincinnati puts up a boatload. Again, I think this is like they were high-strung and ready to play the Bills and light them up. They took the ball against the Bills, open and went right down the field and took seven. Uh, 
I think that carries over. I get it. Harbaugh's a great coach. He's already in the playoffs again. But, man, I'm telling you, I, I this was back to believing in Joe Burrow. It's crazy that we talk about it again. I don't think we ever stopped believing in Joe Burrow, but we haven't been hanging in from the rafters this year as much. To me, this feels like a 28-21, you know, uh, potentially, I, I think this could be not a shootout, but 41 and a half just seems super low. That's all. See, my take is I'm not buying anything that the Ravens offense is doing currently. I think the Bengals, well, check that. Dobbins is good. If he was healthy, he would be great. Because you, you watch him. And he still kind of looks funny when he runs. He, he's, he's slow. Like, you watch him, and he is just, he, he has good, he, he gets up to top speed quickly. He finds the right hole, and he makes a good cut. But after five yards of sprinting, anyone could catch him because he is just so slow at top speed. It's so yeah, sad. He, he could he have like in his leg, you know. I would say he could have like four or five huge runs, like you're talking 50, 60 yard touchdowns, and you just watch him, and he's just like, "All right, I'm slowing down, I'm getting tackled, I'm I'm bracing for the hit because I know it's coming, I'm not letting someone grab me from behind." So I am just the Bengals defense. That that's what they're good at. They are good. Everywhere except for around the corners because Chidobi Awuzie is out. I, always, I harp on it, and I want to see the, the Bengals play a team with a good uh, set of receivers. I was looking forward to it Monday night. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to see that play out. But I'm just not buying a team that can't throw the ball well is going to move the ball on a defense that is strong, 9 out of 11 players. Uh, and then the Bengals, we talk about it all year. Zach Taylor... He coaches him. He coaches to like escape with a win rather than smash his opponent. If they are up twenty-four to three, I can see this becoming a Joe Mixon thirty carry ninety yard game, and it's just boring. It's sluggish, and, but Tyler Huntley is not going to do much to strike back. Uh, I was I believed in him for a little, but that's gone. I I like the Ravens. I I want Lamar back. I think they have a Good playoff def like a good defense for the playoffs. They can make an interesting wild card game. Maybe get a win. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team until they get a new you know outside receiver. But I like them. I don't like them against what I think is you know a top three Super Bowl contender right up there with the Chiefs and the Bills. So I think it's just going to be blowout Bengals, but still low scoring. So. I guess I could take Bengals minus seven. I'm sorry. I'm starting to talk myself into that pick actually, where it's like I believe the Ravens are going to score so few points that the Bengals will hit that. All right, we wrap up now with like with like the uh, most awkward bet that of the week: Houston plus two and a half against the Colts. Uh, Houston is locked in for the top pick, which means they can come out and they can play hard. So. One reason I got him, Connor, why are you taking him? Uh, because the Indianapolis Colts hate Jeff Saturday. That's it. I can stop talking now. That's it. They quit. They're done. They do not want him. They want nothing to do with him. The guy, the guy got a chance that, A, nobody else probably, you could say other people wanted, but nobody was like, man, I'm taking that team with a crappy quarterback situation. 
My running back has been hurt heavily this year, my all-pro running back. Nobody was walking in there like, yo, I'm trying to get this job for the Indianapolis Colts. Then they were like, yeah, uh, Jeff's around. Let's have Jeff be the court, or the coach. He's a consultant. I mean, it's kind of a joke situation. And at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think Lovey's going to be back, so he's going to want to go out on a high note. People, the players like him. Players like Lovey Smith. He's always been a, a a guy who's been loved by his players. Um, but they're going to play hard for him. And again, Indy's defense is good, but man, man, oh man, Sam Ellinger. I'm pretty sure starting. Whoa. Uh, Jeff Driscoll, Sam Ellinger, shootout. Love it. Davis Mills mixed in there. Let's go. I, I, I just I, – two and a half for a team that actually likes their coach versus a team that wants to get away. I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, before last week, we were talking about how the Texans were coming out and they were playing everyone tough. Lost to the Cowboys by four. Lost to the Chiefs in overtime. Lost to, uh, beat the Titans and then got got smacked by the Jaguars. <coughs> Excuse me. I just don't know what happened last week, but I think they come out. I think they play hard, and the Colts just look lost. It, it it's just complete lack of leadership and and structure. I mean, they fired their offensive coordinator, then they fired their head coach, both of who ran the offense. It got to the point where they asked, I think that was the QB coach, to call the plays, and he said no. He's like, I am not going to be associated with the mess that we are getting into. And after two weeks of them being cute and, like, keeping up with teams that they shouldn't have been, boom, back in, back into a pumpkin and just getting smacked around by people. I mean, they they gave up that huge comeback to the Vikings. And since then, what was what was that game, 20 or 33-3 to three or something? And since then. I haven't even scored yet. I thought it, might have been, I thought it was 33-0. I have no idea, but I'm just looking at it. If you, it since that point where they were up, they their point differential. You're talking minus 17, minus 28, minus 33 minimum. That's like you're averaging losing a quarter by like 10 points. It's ridiculous. So, give me the Texans. They at least are. When you watch them, you can at least say they're buttoned up. They play hard, and they you know. Again, these are guys playing for their jobs. The Colts don't feel like guys playing for their jobs. They feel like guys that are just, like, clocked out, get me to the offseason. Waiting on their next coach is what they're doing. Speaking of waiting on their next coach, if you have time, I know we've been talking a lot. We started with Hamlin and then worked into picks. Do you want to talk Derek Carr at all? <laughs> Listen, I the writing on the wall from Jim Irsay is randomly that he's going to pick up literally anybody at the end of their career. They showed a stat, like they showed the seven quarterbacks that have played since Andrew Luck left, and it's just three guys like on the tail end of their career. Some of them do okay. You know, Philip Rivers did okay. Jacoby Brissett did meh, okay. Brian Hoyer. Uh, Lentz had 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. I mean, it, it's just a weird, weird, weird organization. Um, it's kind of like Robert Kraft light and kind of like a mix between Robert Kraft and, uh, Al Davis and, uh, not Al Davis, um, his son. No, it is Al Davis, isn't it? Is Al Davis yep. Jr.? Yeah. So kind of a weird organization. Um, 
I would like to see him, you know, I, I'd like to see Derek Carr get another chance. And <laughs> that dude has had like 20 different offensive coordinators and head coaches. I think he doesn't get a fair shake. Um, I'd like to see him somewhere else. I don't know if it's Indy. And he's got a decent roster. I mean, they have a decent roster. And if it wasn't the fact that they this is their MO, take an old quarterback and suck, I would like to see him in Indy. I just don't know what their whole situation looks like right now. I'd rather are you him. ready for send the QB him. trade? Send him to the Jets. Are you ready for the QB trade? Derek Carr to the Buccaneers, Tom Brady to the Raiders. Uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard rumors of that. I've heard rumors of that. I've heard rumors of Miami. I've heard rumors of San Francisco. Um, but listen, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. What the domino that has to fall first is where does Sean Payton? And Sean Payton wants to go to Arizona, Dallas, or uh, what was the third one? There was a third number. There was a third one that he had also chosen. Now, Denver is a wild card. Supposedly, he's not going to Denver. I'm not so sure I believe it because only because Vic Fangio is who he wants to be his defensive coordinator. Supposedly, rumors. And apparently, Denver hates Vic Fangio because he wasn't a good offensive coach. I'm not buying it because Sean Payton is the offensive coach. Big Fangio is a great defensive coach. I'm not buying that Denver won't take him back. I think if he goes there, uh, you know, you see the coaching carousel kind of move around, and then that takes people off the board, and then you could see somebody else go to Indy that maybe Derek likes. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the big rumor, what, John Harbaugh? Or yeah. Jim? Jim Harbaugh? Jim. Yeah, yeah, that's but. <laughs> That'd be a blessing for your Buckeyes. Would be. Would be, but only for the last two years. <laughs> and then fire, wild card, C.J. Stroud ends up in Indy with Jim Harbaugh. Crazy. Oh, that's right. I've seen that Bryce Young is is the expected first pick, which I'm... Expected to go to Houston. C.J. will go next. Uh, well, it's, it's one of those things, because I, I listened to Sean Payton talk about it, and he's just like... His, his opinion is in your first 15 picks, you have to get someone who is a prototype player. Um, and he just says that because he's like, you can't have those underlying risks associated with, you know, this guy does everything, but can he play NFL football at, the, at this level? And, you know, we see it with Tua where just injuries are sta like stack up on him. It, obviously concussions this year, but previously it's, you know, ankles, knees, whatever. Um, so that's why I, I was shocked that, truthfully, I have been middle of the road on C.J. Stroud for the entire season. I think I even mentioned that. I think he's got a chance, especially in the right situation, to be above average, probably pretty good. Make a Pro Bowl or two, be a franchise quarterback, maybe not be an elite franchise quarterback. Uh, but... He's got, again, all the tools. He actually showed some grit, some muscles, some, uh, you know, uh, some athletic ability that hasn't been available all season, probably because Ohio State said, please don't get hurt, don't run. Uh, they let it loose against Georgia, and he looked really good. So, one thing. I, I was going to say, like, that was his best game of the year against the best defense he played. Yeah. yeah. But my, my point is, it's like, th those are the games. I mean, Sam Darnold, made, like, he 
changed his kind of perception at that uh, USC Penn State Rose Bowl, right, where he came out and he shredded what was, you know, a top 10 team and looked phenomenal. So I actually do – I thought the same thing when I watched him play. I'm like, okay, that dude just – he either locked himself up as a, a top two pick and maybe even worked into the number one conversation. Um, sure. But, yeah, it just makes me so mad because when you look at the, the teams drafting at the top, the, the ones that need quarterbacks are AFC quarterbacks, and that's the better conference already. Can we get some good quarterbacks in the NFC? We're watching Geno Smith for, and Jared Goff and talking about it like they're, they're the best of the best, and they get run out of town from other teams. They're going to pick up uh, – hmm, man, I'm telling you. if that <laughs> Derek, Derek Carr to the Rams for five first-round picks. <laughs> if, yeah, they need it. If the Anthony Richardson kid from Florida falls – to Detroit, they're going to have a serious conversation about picking him because they've already said we're going to extend golf. Fine. Richardson needs two years minimum to be remotely good or what you think is good. You might take him. If he falls late in the first round or early second round and to the Lions, you might take him if you've got a good quarterback situation. Alex Smith. Now, now, I'm, I'm comparing Jared Goff to Alex yeah. Smith. I get it. But, and Patrick Mahomes had his light years better than Anthony Richardson. But, maybe an extended Alex Smith period. Two years. I could see, actually, I mean, Alex Smith and Jared Goff are, are kind of fitting the same mold. Alex Smith led his team on deep playoff runs. Jared Goff did the same thing. Both kind of journeymen, you know, made other teams look good. I like that analogy. All Makes right. sense. All right, we will talk all more about all this stuff, way more um, in the coming weeks with the playoffs. We already have less games to talk about. That means a whole lot more off-season topics, players moving, draft analysis, analysis, hot takes, hot takes. Aaron Rodgers to the Buccaneers. <laughs> Maybe not. All right, all right. We we'll, we'll, won't be that spicy. Uh, but thanks for listening uh, again. Like, comment, subscribe. Check the description for the link to Damar Hamlin's um, GoFundMe. Uh, if you have questions, please let us know. and uh, We can get Ken on them right away. Um, and, again, betting is live. Uh, we have used free bets to our advantage and pocketed a good amount. Lots of people we know have reached out, and we've helped them. So if you are interested, Check ask last week. us. Huh? Check last week. The pod last week. We That's outlined. right. Also, FanDuel just loves giving away their free boosted money. Like, every day there's a new 50 to 50 guaranteed to hit. Love it. All right. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>